This is Flipping Tables. Welcome to Flipping Tables, a podcast about technology, gaming, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And we have some epic follow-up. Yeah, I'm not so... There's a, a comment from one of our listeners that I'm going to link in the show notes, uh, or you could just go back to episode 37 uh, yep. to check it out on flippingtablespodcast.com. But uh, th- this listener put a whole lot of effort into this, so I would be remiss to not give him a shout out. Um, he made an interesting point about uh, science versus religion in the memory wipe, uh, basically saying that um, kind of, and, and I, I sort of felt this way too, like our science sort of grew out of religion you know like religion was how we explain stuff like god did it and then some people were like not an acceptable explanation <laughs> not enough <laughs> yeah but more data is needed so they they soldiered on and i think he's probably right um but that also kind of raises an interesting quandary like would our science be different following that our religion was different right yeah. like if, if we had never established like monotheism would we have different kinds of science or different analogies for our, our science? I don't know. I think it's kind of just like the question of like, if things were different, would they be different? <laughs> like it's, it's more yeah. interesting than that, but it's getting close to like a tautology. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I guess every, uh, conversation that is hypothetical and doesn't have an <laughs> ultimate conclusion of rightness can be summed up as if things were different, can they be different or would they be different? The answer is yes. So we nailed it. Um, he also, he, he linked, I'm, I can't decide if I'm going to link to this, this article in the show notes or not, but he linked to an article about rage quitting purely <laughs> because he said he rage quit the article after seeing the banner image. Yeah. Which I looked at the article and I was like, yup, that's total <laughs> crap. And I thought just for a second, cause did you look at it? Yeah. The, the four like stereotype gamer girls like on the, yeah. maybe all of them really play video games, but they're all posed in a very like cliche kind of way. And I looked at it and my first thought was like, wait, Maybe this isn't fair. Maybe these are just like the editors of this art. No, it's by a guy named Franklin. <laughs> nope. That's just clickbait. Uh, rage quit. Yep. So I tried there. And uh, then the last thing is is he uh, he was really upset to find that I wasn't pro Borderlands, but I have come around on Borderlands since we last spoke. Oh. I've learned Aww. how to shoot people in the face. <laughs> it's Once you get that skill, Borderlands <laughs> is way less frustrating. I didn't find it frustrating. I just found it tedious. You had years of Counter-Strike under your belt, though. <laughs> Remember, I'm coming in with, like, RPG lazy thumbs. Are you playing with a controller, then? Yeah, PlayStation 3. Casual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a gift. I didn't get to choose my platform. <laughs> and also, I, I love my laptop very much for its thin portability-ness. It is not a powerhouse. True. Um, and then, so so I do appreciate that comment, uh, fellow Dave. So th- thanks for chiming in on that. And and I do want to mention this quickly. So last time I, I wanted to talk about New Game Pluses in, in this game called Defender's Quest. So let me set the stage for you. It's a tower defense game, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a standard, you know, you move from like level to level on a little top-down map. And the thing that makes the New Game Plus amazing is when you beat the game, it saves your place in like – let's call it 
regular game and then allows you to start the new game plus, which has like extra levels and mm-hmm. better equipment. But here's the cool thing. At any time when you load your game, you can switch between them. So if you're getting your ass handed to you trying to do the hardest version of the last level on the regular game, mm-hmm. you can switch to New Game Plus, get like all this awesome equipment and level up your party instead of just grinding yeah. forever and then switch back and you can just go back and forth. Like your party is persistent, but your place in the story is what like diverges, huh. right? I've never <laughs> played a game that had a New Game Plus like that. And I my first experience with New Game Plus had to be chrono trigger right yeah and that's a lot of people's and they did it really well yeah and i have been ruined on rpgs that don't have new game plus ever since then yeah i'm always really disappointed and like i long said that the the biggest problem with batman arkham asylum is there's no new game plus because the game (laughs) is has really satisfying satisfying upgrade mechanic and by the end you're just like badass batman you have every like combo move and like right the combat is real like i talked about it's fun <laughs> punching people in the face in that game and you want to start over and you want to be badass batman and you're like oh i can't even can't even glide well because then, even- <laughs> then you're thinking back to those enemies at the beginning and you're like oh i really wish i could do the double backflip yeah. throw that guy through a plate glass window but i can't yeah. Even I know, like I as the player know how, but I can't tell my character to do it. Yeah, I don't. I well, there's two things. Either it needs a new game plus, or the world needs to remain interesting after the main story is done, so you can go oh, around, just go wander a, around. Yeah, because yeah. like the game is pretty vacant and empty by the end. <laughs> like there's just really nothing to do. If you have like a save game near the end of the game, go fight the Joker. There's nothing else to do in this world anymore. Like, you find all the Riddler oh, trophies, but I, okay. there's, like, not a lot of guys just sitting around the world to go beat up on. Right. So you can't just get into, like, random street fights like you could in Grand They Theft have, Auto. like, a set-aside, like, battle mode where you just, all it is is you're in an arena and you try to flawlessly beat guys up. But it's I'm the like, same. No. Well, and because you're Batman. Like, <laughs> Batman is not a professional wrestler. Like, you want to go out and stop crime. <laughs> yeah. Make Gotham City a better place. But high hopes for the the next one because it's actually by Rocksteady, the guys that made the best ones. There you it's go. sort of like early on when Call of Duty was still worth paying attention to when it's like, oh, Infinity Ward made this one. This one's a real <laughs> one. It's not the one they trade off every year and hand to did, the other company. Did that not happen as much when we were youngins? Because I feel like I don't really remember being aware of the publisher trade-off yeah. until more recent years. Like maybe the last... When, so whenever years. Activision had to start doing annual releases. Uh, oh, so, so that's it. So the churn has gotten so rapid yeah. that they're like, we have to outsource this. Yeah, it's like the good team can make one every two years, so let's give it to another team. <laughs> yeah. What was um, – was it was the mobile – not the – well, not the mobile phone, but the, the PlayStation Portable Assassin's Creed where you were the – I think you were a woman. Mm-hmm. Was that by the main developer? Yeah. Okay. Cuz that one was good. Like Yeah, it's not bad. They the the core franchise does not really It still feels like Assassin's Creed though. It is pretty shrunk down. It is pretty sh- but I mean like they they kind of proved that like oh look, we used a double minority character cuz I think she's black and a woman mm-hmm. or is she Middle Eastern or I only played that one once. I think she's she's like a freed slave or from oh, okay. a family yeah. of a Yeah, so it's like and then all of the other ones have been. I mean, like the original uh, assassin was t- 
technically you're in the Middle East, but I mean everyone is distinctly they speak English. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like everyone is distinctly like Caucasian flavored. So I don't know. I just after the comments, I don't know. It was a few episodes back. The what was the developer that said like, "Oh, we can't add female characters Ubisoft. to Ubisoft." Yes, they were like, "It's oh, so the same well, freaking they had, developer." They had already done it. Yeah, but. that's even worse. In my head, it was two different companies, and no. now it's the same assholes. Uh, fail so bad. Okay, so that that was. I'm gonna. I I want to reverse the rundown. I'm gonna let you go first. Because I had my long rambling follow-up. Well, I, I like our first topic on. Is, do, do you want to do that one first? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's fine. Because uh, Google just brought out, brought forth their their new vision of email. So, is email broken? What, how do you use email? What is email like? So, for me, uh, I fired up. I got my invite pretty quickly to Google's inbox. And if you're unfamiliar, I like to describe it as mailbox plus Google Now, or it's like. Smart snoozing swiping functionality, but also some like artificial intelligence trying to expose good stuff about your email. So if you got an email from an airline, it's going to just show you the flight information directly. So you don't even have to open the email to glance at that stuff. So that kind of stuff's really cool. Which um, I, I have already experienced that because I'm actually yeah. going to be flying in the near future. And I, the person asked me, like, oh, what time do I need to take you to the airport? So I just typed United and just boom, like yeah. right at the top, all my flight information, just like a Google Now card. And combined with that, it, it comes pre-populated with even more, like, so I feel like it was in the past year or two, Google sort of invaded, not invaded, that's the wrong word. They, <laughs> they added some new tabs to your inbox that were like promotions or social or um, important. Oh, yeah, the... Was that Priority Inbox or was yeah. that the, the earlier or, update? I think it was part of Priority Inbox. Yeah. But basically, I viewed it as one way Google was trying to get you to keep your newsletters by, by mm. neatly hiding them in, under a tab. Um, you might not get as angry with them, which is like a totally valid attempt at this. <laughs> um, so I fire up Inbox and it sort of seems like it's it's all the features that I'd already set up for myself with Gmail because Gmail is so awesome. So I don't know how experienced our listener is with Gmail, but you could set up very elaborate filters and labels. And crazy rules. And so I, I found the new inbox to be like, oh, it's all that stuff I did, but now for normal people that don't even have to set it up. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which I kind of wonder if this is a uh, – if, if some of their algorithms grew out of observing the yeah. way people use filters. They were like – Oh, everyone who takes the time to set up a filter has a newsletter filter. Yeah. So let's just do that for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember exactly who I should be giving credit to for this, but it was somebody on the, the Twit network said – because every, everybody – you even kind of did it. Like everyone <laughs> is – this is Google's reinvention of email. <laughs> and I feel like that's wrong for two important reasons. One – Wave was their reinvention of email because it wasn't email, right? Yeah. Like underneath, this is very much email. <laughs> this is very much email, but underneath, this is still email. Like you could absolutely just continue to use IMAP into your Gmail account, and there would be no change. Everything would be the same for you. This isn't a, a change of like the fundamental, fundamental, fundamental <laughs> under fundamental. <laughs> It's not a change to like the underlying technology. It's a change at the view layer. 
which is awesome. Like, I'm not complaining. I'm actually really happy with it. Mm -hmm. But every time someone's like, oh, it's a a reinvention of email. It's Google's reimagining of email. Like, it's kind of not, which is good because we still want email to be like this distributed, federated Mm -hmm. thing. But we also want to improve on it. So, like, can I pour que no los dos? Like, I want both of those things. I feel like some of the amazeballsness of inbox was dampened just because i already have such a tidy email life oh, yeah. i was like oh my email is already still tidy <laughs> well this is another <laughs> unique thing about uh this product is normally google's stuff is like a big turn on to like early adopters and the tech geeks and stuff but this this is like the opposite because we already had all this crap set up yeah. like we had filters and labels and things so i mean the thing that i'm actually so I, I got my invite not as early as you, Mike, <laughs> but I did eventually get one a couple of days later from a, a very nice listener of ours, which was awesome. Like that, that was side note, like that was the tiniest, tiny little fame moment. There's just like a listener reached out and was like, hey, do you still need an inbox invite? And I was like, yep. <laughs> I mean, no, because everyone has showered me with them. But yes, please. Um, so I'm actually, I've given up on an old email thing I started a while back and I'm no longer deleting stuff unless it is truly, truly, truly delete worthy. And I've had to really compact my definition of delete worthy. Yeah. Right. Like I just, this morning I got my Amazon local thing that I get every day and I was like, archive <laughs> and it feels a little weird because i'm see, never gonna look at that again see with that it wouldn't be a delete for me it'd be an unsubscribe it's like either i'm gonna mm. read this or i don't want to get it well i mean i did look <laughs> at it okay but yeah <laughs> so okay to, so to, you do look at it I, yeah i did actually like i always glance through it because every once in a while it'll be like oh there's that thing i was planning on doing anyway and now i can do it at half price but it's a very quick scan. You know, it's yeah. not that different than someone used to maybe look through like newspaper coupons. Um, I'm not like clipping and storing every little thing. <laughs> but like it's a daily deal. It will never be valuable again after today. Yeah. But it's a little – it's just a tiny bit more hassle to delete it yeah. than the market has and done. Yeah, that's the thing to be clear. They didn't like get like, – it's not like there's no deleting anymore. It's just kind of like a couple extra taps. It's, it's, it's literally one more. Which is a deal more. breaker for like fast movement. Yes. <laughs> um, I will say too – Well, I, I'm used I to use... like from the message list, I swipe further and right. it's deleted. Yes. <laughs> Which I think that's an iOS only thing because on Android you can – with the it, Gmail app, you can archive and you can um, – what does the other way do? Maybe both ways just do archive. You can't – there's no quick de- delete yeah. swipe. It's a mailbox thing and then you can customize the native mail on OS X oh, or okay. iOS to have that. Or you can long press the archive button and it will pop up and let you delete instead of archive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's – it's – it's that would never, be fine too. Just long press archive, give me delete. Yeah, it's it's never more than like on the the web client. It's it's one. It's literally under one menu. So yeah. you, menu, and then the first one is trash. And web client, you got Gmail shortcuts, so you you can right whatever it is. I don't I don't use the shortcuts, but but the thing, and I feel a little guilty for not giving Mailbox a fair shot with this, but I am actually using the snooze. Thing. Yeah, it's awesome. It is. And that was one of the reasons I stopped using mailboxes. I was like, I don't snooze. And I feel <laughs> I feel like a fanboy because I was like, oh, Google has snooze now. Oh, now it's cool. 
<laughs> like that's it's kind of too late. Yep. I mean, mailbox had other bugs, and I didn't like the way it just crammed well, all the, those labels. The desktop, admittedly, is beta. Um, did you try the Android version or? Yeah, the Android version was okay. Um, it was better than okay. It, it was very stable. Um, but if I wanted the same experience on the desktop, I had yeah. to use the beta app. And then if you went into your regular Gmail window, you had like these weird little hidden yeah, special you, mailbox labels. Yeah, you have to live with those. And I wish I could say that there's a good reason for me to hate that. There isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. Yeah. They're down there, out of the way, not hurting anybody. But Google can do it without those special fancy labels. There, Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say there's something to be said for that like integrated feeling? I mean, and that's one of the, the complaints people – one of the few complaints that consistently gets – lobbed against the iphone is you get all these apple apps that go into a folder that you never use because they kind of suck well the unhideable stocks and newsstand yeah. and yeah it's, it's like i don't really it's like yay at&t didn't put bloatware but apple did <laughs> <laughs> the one person i didn't expect so i don't know i did you then who was iphone <laughs> do you think I, here's my guess, and I haven't heard anybody else say this, so I'm going to claim that it's my own idea forever and ever. Okay. I think Inbox is not just a response to Mailbox. It's not just them finally putting the Sparrow team to use. It's them recognizing that other people want to use other clients besides Webmail on their, their mobile device or if they are just an old-fashioned desktop person. And Inbox is their way of showing off the upcoming Gmail API. Yeah. Because they're going to say, like, look at all the stuff we expose that other email services don't have. Like, yes, yeah. we can do email, but we can also do this, like, proprietary flavor yeah, spicy like, stuff. Put away your separate list app. Put array. Put array. <laughs> put arrays. <laughs> cycle through your arrays. Um. <laughs> that was a nerdy joke. That was good. I don't know what the joke is, though. Recovery from a in mouth typo. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about an inbox. It's just like <laughs> I was more just astonished how little I needed it. But then I, I like I'd be interested to hear from someone who has the the traditional messy inbox. Like you don't archive everything. Your inbox is almost identical to all mail. Like mm. I want to talk to that person who tried inbox. I'm and, not sure I'd have anything in common with that person. <laughs> Because I'm here. Okay, so we did all the praising. Here's one complaint, and uh, I don't know. Well, I guess you can't have this problem because you use an iOS device. So <laughs> on Android, no, it's it, this is unique to the particular oh, okay. integration of of stuff I have. So there's a couple things that I have set up to remind me, like Google Now reminders, every day. Every day at eleven, I get a reminder. Every day at noon, I get a different reminder. Well. They're in – and here, I'll, I'll show you, Mike, just so you can kind of understand. So in my inbox, there's just every reminder. This scrolling never, ever <laughs> stops going back to when I set this reminder in April. So that's a little clunky. It's – yeah, a little bit because there are other old reminders in there. That you might care about. I, I guess. <laughs> I mean presumably if they're months old, I'm done with them. But the thing is, because this is a recurring reminder, it's loading it as a pinned thing. So I can't just bulk mark it as done. And that's where I'm kind of running into this like annoyance. Because yeah. with like, I set a reminder last night, I was baking something. I didn't want to set the 
the stove clock because it beeps really loud. So I set a reminder on my phone. <laughs> what, what is is that? That's your, my inbox. Oh my god, it's beautiful. <laughs> so. A lot of mail clients these days have that, do this thing where, like, when you have nothing in your inbox, it's just like, "Oh, have a good day." I kind of like this inbox trend. is no different. Yeah, it's there's no little hidden adorable animation, is there? Uh, that's lovely, Mike. I'm jealous. I'm gonna have that by the end of the day today. Yeah, that's happening. I want the little sun. I will. I will post a screenshot since zero personal information. <laughs> Yes, only my <laughs> avatar. That's the only thing that can be construed as personal, a publicly viewable. That's right. Oh, so when I got this reminder last night, I just hit done, and then it was out of my inbox because it's not recurring. Yeah. Whereas, like, this other recurring one – so I don't know. I wouldn't maybe call this a bug, but it's, like, something their interface needs to be prepared to deal with. Yeah, like a better view of this. Yeah. Or, you know, like a quickly – like view email only, not no, because I don't know what the right solution to this <laughs> is, but they need to do something. I mean, maybe they just the people who tested this yeah. didn't have automatic reminders set up, you know, recurring ones. I do think inbox just speaks to how email, the way people use email, has changed over time, mm. and it's it's very little. I, I mean, in in a workplace, it's very much still direct messaging communication tool. <laughs> it is, but. Outside of that, I feel like in people's personal lives, email is not very central anymore. It's like the, oh, I signed up for a new thing, I have to activate my account, or it's where all the newsletters go. But it's very little communicating with your family anymore. Yeah, I think... I mean, that could vary by family, but like my family, I talk through texting yeah. and social networks, like 99%. No, I'm, I'm right there with you on this. I I feel like email still has I don't know how exactly what the right words are but I feel like email still serves a purpose for reaching out in a professionalish way to a stranger. Yeah, right? it's a safe way to touch base with someone. Yeah. And uh, I've heard so Jeff Jarvis his biggest complaint with email is that the sender controls the flow of information. So if you, Mike, do not want to hear from me, David, I can just bombard you with email, and there's a, not a whole lot you can do about it. You have to reactively, like, block, basically. Right. Whereas, like, on a lot of texting alternative tools like WhatsApp or on, like, Facebook Messenger, that kind of thing, like, you have to, you, be you have to establish yeah. the relationship, right? Which, like, I feel like we kind of need a channel where you don't do that. Like we yeah. need a channel where I can reach out to a stranger, or just buy out of the blue. Someone's like, "Hey, I checked out your thing, and it's really cool." What is right. it? Blah blah blah, and you're just like, "Hell yes!" yes. Oh, thank you for reaching out, <laughs> stranger. Like, whereas if you get like stranger wants to connect with you, you're like, eh. <laughs> like I'm not ready to like affirm in some official sense, right? A connection to someone I've never talked to. Yeah, so maybe maybe uh, you need I'll, the LinkedIn introduction. Uh, maybe maybe a lot of the complaint about email is around like it kind of an email culture like everyone thinks their message is the most important message yeah you know i mean how many times have you gotten something at work marked ultra super important and you're like nope this isn't even and passive aggressively if you reply <laughs> you take off the urgent marker i feel i feel, I feel like a mischievous 12 year old every time <laughs> i do that because i know the other people don't notice because they just automatically but i'm just like hey, it wasn't important to begin with <laughs> 
So that I don't know. That's email. That's yeah, inbox. Never, right never mark your message urgent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is there are I have done that before, but then it's usually like a two sentence email explaining the emergency. Yeah. Right. Like urgent. The Servers exploded. Please go put new servers into the rack. <laughs> Order new ones. We need them by tomorrow. Yeah. You know, urgent. All the customers are on fire. Call someone. You know, some something like... Which has only happened a few times at CU Online. Yeah, which I think is, is good. You know, like four or five times a year is reasonable. <laughs> but that's the thing. Is like, so I know the recipient may see the little exclamation point or the red or however it shows up in their client and be like, Oh God, an urgent email. But I'm hoping that when they pair that with the fact that it's from me, they're like, Oh, lion said, he wouldn't do this unless it was really urgent. Exactly. Cause I, I have boiled cried wolf situation. Yeah. yeah, It's exactly the people. That's why I say listener never use urgent (laughs) because Everyone I've ever encountered that uses urgent uses it all the time. They're always crying wolf. Everything they say is urgent. Yeah. And they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let, we have to talk about current C, which oh, I'm forever going to pronounce as two words with a pause in between it. So I, I can set this up. So current C or currency, but you have to pronounce it really enunciated. Just <laughs> current C is uh, an attempt by retailers to throw off the shackles of credit card companies. And before you get all excited about rooting for the underdog, everyone's a jerk in this story. <laughs> it's just It just happens to be one of the jerks is more aligned with you as a consumer and making your life convenient. I would argue, but so currency. So if if you own a business and you have to take credit cards because everyone has credit cards and everyone wants to use them and you're just stuck because you can't help it, um, you get to tack on one to five percent of whatever your your revenue is, or one not tack on, but one to five percent of what you pull in just goes to the credit card company. Yeah, it's just, it's a, tr- just a, a transaction fee, an interchange fee, and this is. Because they're processing your payment, because they deal with fraud and security, and because they're Visa and you have to because you have no choice. And so retailers hate this, and it's a very rational hatred because it's perceived as just like lost money. And so they they kind of banded together and created this really awful convoluted thing called currency. Current C, which involves QR codes, which yeah, should just, just be the that. end of this discussion. Yeah, like, it's, it's but it's not. It's breaker. actually one of the least defensive aspects of currency yeah. to me. And what does that tell you? <laughs> yeah. So currency, uh, if you can stomach this, um, you would attach your bank account directly to a, a currency account or a card or whatever format. I guess it wouldn't be a card; it'd be a, an account. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a direct. Direct yeah. to your bank account. And the idea is when you go to pay, um, you use a special QR code that gets scanned by one of their scanners. And the reason they want to do this is they want to bypass the credit card network. So that's why you have to hook your bank account directly up to them, which is one of the things I will never do. One of many things I will never do. <laughs> and I mean, on the supposedly the, the 1% to 5% they will save on their, their revenue, they will pass along to you in the form of coupons. and Nope. <laughs> no, there's no way this would happen. Um, the other, so the other thing that gets their goat with the recent like Google Wallet, Apple Pay solutions are banks and credit cards love it, um, but retailers lose out on person on tracking information. 
So this one I don't get as much because they just need a rewards card. It's like yeah. your grocery store. Yep. Give me a discount by you know scanning my rewards card. You you're still tracking me. Yeah, you're getting exactly the same information. My payment data is more secure. There is no loss. There's probably some people would probably say like, well, we only get maybe 25 percent saturation of of loyalty cards. So that means 75 percent of our customers we're not tracking. It's like I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, like I, I don't. But you just do the grocery store thing. It's like everything is ten percent more expensive if I don't have your loyalty card. Yeah, and you're making the money you would have got off my personal info anyway. Right. You're just getting it up front, which is even better because money now is way better than money later. That's right. There's a name for that economic balance. <laughs> um, so this is the thing about the the transaction fees. Uh, before I forget, the reason I find that so frustrating is I. I am fairly sure that if you ask the average person, how much does it cost you in credit card transaction fees when you buy something with like your visa, they would say there's a fee. None dollars. Yeah. (laughs) They would either not know that there's a fee or they wouldn't even understand that that happens at all. Yeah. So the retailers, like let's let's just pick on Rite Aid because they're the one who started this in the the media sense. Yeah. Um, So – Rite Aid is now promising to lower their prices by a quantity unknown to the consumer <laughs> in a way that the consumer is not actually being charged directly, the, the yeah. retailer is. So it's like, how would we even know? If you, are you just going to have signs up? that? How be are you like, going to communicate yeah. this really complicated explanation? It's like, <laughs> we told Visa to piss off everything 3% off. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not going to do that. Yeah. And the, the most damning thing other than the, the terrible implementation, oh, yeah, and among the data they track the, that's come up is health data oh, good. could be tracked by them. So it's just like, like oh, the story well, gets even better. Oh, that sounds like the like the Target thing with the pregnant girl? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean. Where Target knew before the dad did that his daughter was pregnant. Yeah, because the kinds of purchases she was making. And that's, I don't, I mean, those kinds of things are neat. Like if I buy something at the grocery store, and I get a coupon for something that I frequently buy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's that's neat. But if it meant never ever having to worry about my payment information being stolen again, and now I don't save fifty cents on mm-hmm. Cliff bars, that's okay. That's a, a that is worth fifty of my cents. Yeah. Right. So a little more context since we didn't say it already. Um, the reason this topic is on our minds is because of Rite Aid and CVS and Target Best and Buy. Best Buy and like a huge host of retailers have shut off NFC payments. Yes. And it, what's interesting is they waited till Apple had NFC payments and then they're like, yeah. oh, we're going to shut off all these other ones that we didn't care about before. Yeah, they also <laughs> waited until Apple's thing came out. But their thing, even though Apple Pay was announced a long time ago, you know, through these relationships with retailers, their thing is not ready. Currency is not till like spring. It's they just said sometime in 2015. Oh. So it's it's not <laughs> only we don't have a solution yet, but we're just going <laughs> to shut down the, the current thing. And their solution looks to be terrible. And so I, I just don't like. No matter how much I hate credit card companies, which. I don't know enough to say I hate them, but I'm sure they do all sorts of awful things because they're powerful. Um, I just can't support the retailers because it's just like your solution sucks and your method of supporting your solution also sucks. Well, and so I didn't think of this until, until we really started diving into it, but doesn't it also feel weird to attach your – like 
this is sort of like a weird lock-in because like with Google Wallet or Apple Pay or a credit card or a debit card, I'm walking around with a thing that represents my money and then I go into a place and I say, you have a product and I have something that represents money. Yeah. But with currency or any kind of like backed solution, it's like I'm walking around with a thing that represents money only you and other retailers in your little cabal have access to. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, I can go pretty much anywhere in the world and pay with a Visa card because it represents my money. Yeah. I can't go into just any old place. Like, I can't it's go to a food a truck. a welcome middleman. I want a middleman between my bank account and random merchants. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to go do up to every... I do want a middleman there. <laughs> I don't want to go up to every, like, food truck or carnival, you know, game and be like, oh, here's direct here's access to my bank to account. to my safe. <laughs> go get what you need. Uh, you look trustworthy. <laughs> With your three teeth, carny guy. Is that a, was that a negative stereotype of, are we going to get angry carny folk? Come on. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I want that division. Just, I mean, isn't that the whole point of cash is like an abstraction between yeah. services and, and, and like work earned? <laughs> Do you, have you used Apple Pay yet? No, but I finally got a card activated on it. We need okay. So today, because I set up Google Wallet in response to this. <laughs> well, I should say I set up Tap to Pay. There I, is like an internet. I mean, it's all nerds, but there is an internet protest happening of like United Google oh, yeah. and Apple fanboys of just like let's. Which complain. this is this is the power of Rite Aid. <laughs> Rite Aid has given Apple fanboys and Google fanboys <laughs> something they agree on. Well, it's nice that Walgreens is an NFC processor still, so everyone can. Are just, you sure? Yeah. Okay. Because everyone's like, "I'm going to Walgreens, bitch." Yeah. So we're today. <laughs> we're going to Walgreens. You're gonna Apple pay something. I'm gonna Google Wallet pay something. Because I just like I've used Google Wallet before. Because I' not trying to knock Apple Pay, but Google Wallet does other stuff. Like there's loyalty cards and you can put gift cards and stuff in there. So I've actually used it for other things, but I've never done the tap to pay because mm-hmm. I've gone in and out of having phones that had NFC, but I have one now. I have it set up now and I'm going to go in and buy like a candy bar or something and be all like tappity tap to pay because I just, I want to see like, no. there's no way it's going to be as easy as it is for you with your thumb, thing. <laughs> but I don't think it'll be that hard. Yeah, it won't be pulling teeth. There will be no QR codes. So I oh guess we, we it's should... not only like that you pull up a Q. It's like you have to like screenshot or take a picture or like somehow you yeah. scan one and then you show one. It's like really insane. Well, <laughs> some somebody on Twitter showed a screenshot of what that looks like, and above the QR code is just the word it's "secure," <laughs> which gave me pause <laughs> because QR codes are not. Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's a barcode. Well, now we see why at Apple's keynote that, that, uh, not Jobs, he's dead. (laughs) Tim Cook spent like, you know, a few minutes actually saying like, our approach to this is to focus on the user experience to make it easy. And that's our motivation is to make it awesome to pay for things with our phone, not to just serve our own business interests. And now I can see like he is talking about currency. Maybe he's talking yeah. about some other things too, but well, it seems and, like and Verizon it's, tried to do this the same kind of BS a while back, and it's like they're like currency is not user experience focused; it is purely a middle finger to the credit card industry, 
which if it had any other merits, maybe I could get behind a little bit, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they said like we we also work directly with the banks and we came up with something that's even more secure and it's not tied to Apple or Google or yeah. Microsoft or anybody. It's it's just a a new middleman that has no fees or lower fees or whatever. There's so no there, way though. Like No, it, but I'm just saying like if they did that like super security thing that cuts out the evil credit card companies, but it's not. It's thing that benefits us in a small way, but is mostly a big middle finger. Yeah. I just like, even if... And by us, I mean the retailers, not definitely not consumers. I just don't see anyone that can do what the credit card companies do and not, like, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. Like, <laughs> the 1% to 5%, like, I really, like, even if you cut that down to just covering the cost of doing business, I still think the the fee would be there. Mm-hmm. It's not just pure profit margin. It's process, it's fraud, it's all this stuff. Well, and... So I didn't realize, but the reason debit cards, because I remember as a kid having a debit card, you know, not as a kid, not a 10 year old, but I mean, like, but as like a teenager, like when I first started working, um, I remember, <laughs> I'm just a little three year old with like a, a debit card. Um, so, but I remember having a debit card before all debit cards always had credit logos on them. Mm-hmm. Like you could actually still get an ATM card, which is yeah. really rare today. Um, some banks probably don't even issue those, but the problem was you had to enter your pin. So every time you bought anything, it w- you were giving them all of the information they needed yeah. to technically then go rob you. You know, whereas like with a credit card, not only is that whole thing obfuscated, but there's like that built-in protection. And then when they added, but even it that's to- been an evolving thing. Like the the three or four digit like CCV code was like added in after they're like, oh, just using the credit card number that's publicly displayed on the card is really dumb. Well, but I mean when they (laughs) added it, like when all debit cards start having a Visa logo. Yeah. So like if I do use my debit card, I still – the transaction happens as if it were credit. And then I get all the Visa But it's just going directly to your bank and there's no – 3% 3% fee, presumably. I, that I don't Unless know Unless you run it as credit. Well, that's what I mean. So no PIN number. Oh, okay. It runs exactly like a credit card. Yeah. So you get, even though it's technically drawing from my bank account, not against a line of credit, then you get the like fraud protection and all that crap. Yeah. That's like Which that's probably, valuable. probably charges the retailer then. I'm there. sure it does. But yeah. I, I need that protection. Like, yeah. People get ripped off all the time. And that's the big question mark around current C is... <laughs> If I have a dispute, it's not. It's no longer like Visa is sort of an independent third party that wants to keep me happy as a customer. It's, oh, Best Buy is like, we got his money and he's disputing it and he's talking to Best Buy. Well, guess what Best Buy wants to do? They want to keep your money. Yeah. And it's like, it's sort of like arbitration versus like a, an actual court challenge. It's like, oh. Well, and <laughs> yeah, and it, it comes like a big corporation might say like, oh, yeah, we'll just – Anybody who complains, we'll just give them their money back. Whereas a smaller company might be like, no, you can't. I'm sorry. Your service wasn't good. You can't have your money back. Like, have you ever disputed a credit card claim? No, actually. (laughs) I've done this exactly once. So here was my experience. I went into a bar. The guy served me the worst drink I've ever had in my life. It it was almost as bad as that. (laughs) It wasn't that stuff. The battery acid whiskey. it It was 
as poorly made as that stuff exists. Um, so I, I went back up and I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I thought I ordered a top shelf and this is obviously sewer water. Can I, can you make me another one? And he said, sure. I, the second drink was the, exactly the same as the first drink. He was, <laughs> he was just hoping I was a drunk idiot and that I had no idea what I was doing. Oh man. So I went back up and I was like, this is awful. I'm, I'm not, there, I, there's no way I could pay for this. It's like a $9 drink. This is absurd. And he was like, sorry, buddy. And I was like, no, you, this is unacceptable. And he was like, no, sorry. So I actually then went through a credit card dispute and I was like, I want my, cause it with, um, the two drinks that I got, it came to 30 bucks, two drinks. Yeah. So I actually, I went through my credit card and I was, and I told them the truth. I was like, I went to this, this bar, I bought these drinks. They were terrible. I told the bartender that I wasn't comfortable paying for them because I didn't drink them. They were unacceptably bad. He refused to issue a refund. The credit card company got back in touch with me and they were like, here's your money. Yeah. And then I don't care what they did after that. If yeah. they went argued with the retailer, they had that's, more leverage. Yeah. And that's the thing is like in a currency situation, you already talked to the people you had a chance to change yeah. minds with. Yeah, we, a, a currency dispute to me would just be the equivalent of like, I want to see your manager. Yeah. And it's like that doesn't always yield results. Mm -hmm. I can't. I, I Do you think this will even get off the ground? No, because the user <laughs> experience is a fail. <laughs> but I mean, do you think they'll actually launch it? Or oh, do you think the pressure oh, will just be so heavy? They'll they'll launch it. I'm sure it's already testing in Minnesota, but that's what I read. Where all the big Minnesota. shoppers are, <laughs> and Everybody I know there's Fifth Avenue, and then there's Minnesota. I, there's just too many hurdles. It's a bad user experience. QR codes are stupid, and they will always be stupid. And <laughs> don't stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> Facebook's Rooms app. Oh my God, we didn't even. Maybe we have time. Maybe uh, next week. But yeah, we might have to. That might be episode follow up. Oh. <laughs> that's stupid um hooking your bank account directly up to retailers is stupid um them tracking more than they should of everything about you is stupid like i just don't there's no upside to me it's just more of a hassle it's really stupid and yeah. i don't like stupid things yep <laughs> yeah that you know in all of the discussion about currency i i, I think you said it when you were explaining it like at no point have i seen benefit to the customer yeah. Other than promised coupons, Ooh. which what business doesn't promise sales? Have you ever <laughs> seen a store that's like nothing is on sale here? Well, if you shop at a store like that, it's because you don't. It's called like, the Apple Store. <laughs> well, but I mean, like if you go into like a, I don't know, a Tesla dealership or like a, a high end jewelry store, if you're an art buyer, like you're not expecting a twenty percent off, you know, Labor Day weekend, all but they Monet's. totally do. All the jewelry places are like, come get, buy one thing, get another. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there you go. So yeah, there are no businesses. It's sort of like a, a, a politician that's like, I'm going to change nothing, <laughs> <laughs> and you will love me for it. <laughs> the candidate that promised change. Wow. <laughs> hey. Obama won twice on change. <laughs> That's the Onion article. Black man asks for change. Oh, no. Yeah, it was, oh. it was very clever. <laughs> oh, Onion. You say all the things that get you all the clicks. They're, aren't they behind ClickHole? Yep. Is that them? Yeah. Yep. You know, because you were the one who introduced me to ClickHole. <laughs> Every time I read an article, I get about halfway through it, and I'm like, this is very funny. I get it, and now I'm done. <laughs> 
And I have a feeling that that's the feeling they're aiming for. Like <laughs> the articles just feel so heavy and like it's like they're just slapping you but across the face the, with the joke. The actual upworthy, but like Huffington, yeah. Buzzfeedy, like all the like. If you ever actually follow those headlines and look at the articles, they're the same way. Like halfway through, you're like, "Oh my god, I'm done." Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Is is I think Clickhole is just. It's strictly social commentary, and right. they're like, if we make money off ads, that's cool. <laughs> but otherwise, it's just they're like, just social they have commentary. that bite of the onion though. Like five Disney princesses reimagined as Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and they just, they, yeah, it looks like Pocahontas as a white girl. <laughs> but see, someone had to like this is quality artwork. Like someone had to sit down and make this. This did not. This isn't like a one-off Twitter-length joke. Like someone had to craft that. Yeah, they are totally building up the. I just love the "Are you a dog person or an ant person?" <laughs> quiz. Actually, okay. So scroll way down to the bottom. Oh, there it is. Be- below the article. Oh no, those are clickhole ads. Are there any ads on this? I think these are real shitty ads. Oh. Though. Poor websites in need of clicks yeah, so is the they, name of their advertising they get, section. They get actual revenue from like the traditional shitty, like, yeah, it's a girl in a bikini. There is one right here. Yeah. There's more than one, basically. And, and also Liam Neeson. <laughs> 13, and, yeah. And have, have you noticed those that little block of like crap to read on the internet? It usually has the word news in it, which is like they're kind of stretching the definition of news. <laughs> When they're like news from around the web or like other new other, you know, popular news websites. And it's like, uh, I don't think 13 greatest bikinis to give this Christmas is really like a there's nothing really newsworthy there. (laughs) I love when they just go absurd. (laughs) What? What we're really saying when we make fun of Julia Roberts new arm. And then there is a picture of Julia Roberts with three arms. (laughs) Yeah, this is I. It's just, it's like it's brilliant. Like there's, there's it's the perfect like zeitgeist move of like the onion is still funny and they're still doing funny things, but like the newspaper era is starting to feel a little passe. Yeah, and it's like yeah, there's all these shitty blog spam sites now, and this is like the perfect like it's the onion humor expressed in BuzzFeed form. Yeah, they're, oh man, they must make money off of this, right? <laughs> From this from just those small ads? <laughs> Historical game changer. These archaeologists discovered their own remains buried beneath <laughs> the earth. All right, we're, we're, All right, we're done. We've turned into BuzzFeed the podcast if we just keep reading yeah, funny I'm sorry, headlines. Sorry. It's, but, I mean, this, that's the whole design of it. That's why it's, it's called Clickhole, for God's sake. Like <laughs> yes. It's designed to suck you in with all the same crappy tactics that you know BuzzFeed and HuffPo use. I swear to God, was there not a time when Huffington Post was like somewhat credible? I think it still is in, in quadrants. It's sort of like there was a time when Reddit didn't have a stink of like either child pornography or Gamergate or so is this, or uh, is it just celeb that, nudes it, or like, is it just that Huffington Post makes all their money off bullshit, but then they also deliver reliable reporting? Yeah, I don't know. I never go to Huffington. Post. I don't, I'm like completely out of politics and. <laughs> I know they they do more than politics, but to me, that's like a politics site is what I think of. Yeah, no, you're. I feel like that's what people usually link to. Yeah, but I think BuzzFeed kind of like I've read articles on BuzzFeed that were like I I would say quality 
articles, if not even quality journalism. Yeah. And the argument is just like ads that have comics and sports sections. They keep the lights on for the quality with the garbage. But it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have an alternative business revenue model, but once your house is 90% garbage, it's like, yeah. it's like, oh, the guest room is immaculate. But all the rest of the floors are covered in feces and garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, but I have Pays to. The bills. I have to walk through that to get to your immaculate guest room. <laughs> How, is it good enough to walk through all that? How good is this guest room? Yeah, it's right. not that good. <laughs> it's, it's probably not. So I got. I'm done. Gotta, yeah, I'm, I think yeah. we're out. <laughs> I think we are. So um, we got to go buy something with NFC. We do. And then we can report back next week. So, Mike, where can people find these fantabulous show notes? Flippingtablespodcast.com slash 038. That's your secret code. Uh, <laughs> remember to drink your Ovaltine. Oh, there you go. Um, you can also find me online at pseudomichael.com or on Twitter at Music. Twitter's making a comeback. <laughs> it's been like the fifth episode in a row. Is it still? Don't call it a comeback. Ooh. So people, <laughs> people can find me at linesinbeta.com or at linesinbeta on Twitter. Which, okay, quick last thing. When you are talking about a business that has a Twitter presence and they, they're at like a physical location, so let's say like a Burger King. I, I don't know. So if you were saying like, I'll meet you at Burger King would, and you have like Burger King in there, does the at symbol count as the word at, or would you say I'll meet you at, at symbol Burger King? No, I would never do that. You wouldn't? The at sign would count as it the counts word. It counts as the word? If I'm including it, yeah. Uh, it's not both what, ways. What else would it stand for? Nothing? But I, exactly. I feel like when it's in a tweet, you don't Are you saying it. like, I'll, I'll meet you and then you're mentioning the username yes. for Burger King? I would just let the at sign count as the at. I mean, I think that's what most people do, but it feels weird because, like, if I said, like, I'm, well, I don't it, know, if I was tweeting, <laughs> like, I'm with, you know, at Medward's music at the park, I wouldn't read that out loud as I'm with at Mike. No, never. It only, like, I guess it, I, I, I might include the word at. Yeah, I, it's I, I every time I have to do this on Twitter, I'm like, I don't know which one to do. Like, well, yeah, because you have no choice. The at symbol will be there, it's yes. just whether you add a word or not. I think it usually comes down to do I need those four extra characters or three? Do I need the space and the two letters back to finish this tweet or have good punctuation in this tweet? Yeah. Well, if you have any hope of adding hashtag butts, you need every character <laughs> you can get. And that will be our, our weekly challenge is to tweet at flipping underscore tables, hashtag bots hashtag for this bots. episode. Great. All right. So you guys have a good week. Bye.